0: Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis here for BeaversEdge.com. We're back. It's a Rivalry Week edition of the Edge Podcast, getting set to preview Oregon State versus Oregon from Autzen Stadium on Saturday at 1230. Again, your host, Brendan Slaughter, checking in here for the Edge Podcast. want to welcome in Jared Hallis. Jared, how you doing, my man? You getting ready for Thanksgiving?
1: Yeah, man, getting ready for that and uh, for a great rivalry weekend of football. It's always a always a great, really great week of the year, if you ask me. I, I definitely, definitely, am a big fan of this time. I'm a big Christmas fan, so I love seeing people finally make the the transition uh, for the ones who hold out until after Thanksgiving to to start celebrating Christmas. I personally have had my tree up for uh, about. <laughs>
0: You have I, I, wait, wait 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 wait. I think the podcast is gonna have to be paused, folks. You have your Christmas tree up already.
1: I think I've had it up since the day after Halloween, actually.
0: Interesting, interesting. I, I'm gonna say, drop a comment I, in on the damn board. We need to maybe. We need to see. I, I'm curious because I, I I don't judge. Like honestly, I, I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I'm like, huh, what would I've never had it like with me, but what would the idea of a, a Christmas tree? while thanksgiving's going on be like i don't know jared that's bold i like that
1: oh yeah i'm that guy man i just i love it's easily my favorite time of year so i'm uh i like buddy the elf when it comes <laughs> to that, yeah. it as soon as i can
0: yeah no that's funny it's interesting i've seen people who are like the opposite of you jared that are like no no i can't have christmas until thanksgiving is over so you are directly defying that logic and you know Saying what's up to those
1: people, <laughs> I think the majority is is definitely in that line of thinking. Like, uh, you don't deserve a plate at Thanksgiving, is what I've been told many times. But you know what? Wow, I'm gonna sit, it's it, it more mostly in a joking manner, but
0: yeah, yeah, no, it, I will sit it, there no,
1: yeah, late tomorrow next to my Christmas tree and be dang happy about it.
0: Wow. Sounds like some, some big time expectations at Thanksgiving from the Hallis family. No, nice. just kidding. But no, it's uh that's, that's cool. That's uh that's definitely uh, a unique, and I'm going to say again, it's a bold move, bold move <laughs> from Jared. So I, I respect it for sure. But uh, again, uh, thanks for sticking with us here on the edge podcast. Got a lot to cover. Uh, you know, like I said, previewing Oregon state's matchup against Oregon. Uh, we got a couple commits this week that we need to touch on as well for Oregon state. But, uh, Jared, let's go ahead and start by just going back a little bit and talking about Oregon State's Senior Day win uh, over Arizona State. It was obviously a huge win to close out the uh, the home slate, go a perfect 6-0 and for just the second time in school history, undefeated at home, joining the 2000 Fiesta Bowl team, which was obviously honored uh, at the end of the first quarter. Big win for the Beavers, Jared, and some much-needed momentum now, winning two straight, heading into – a rivalry game with a lot on the line, and we'll get into that shortly as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a, it was a massive win. Uh, you know, we talked about, a lot about the game last week and, you know, what we were kind of expecting to see and what the team needed to do to, to kind of make it happen. And I think it's the blueprint for, for most of the wins. You know, you want the, the, the rush to be established, the defense to obviously play well, which they've done a really, really good job of under, under Coach Bray. Um, and it, it was an impressive win. I mean, they controlled all four quarters, and uh, I, I think that you know the the foundation and the, and the the groundwork is there to to pull off what a lot of people would consider to be an upset this weekend in Oregon. Uh, and I I really can't wait to watch that game.
0: Let's talk about the defense, Jared, because two weeks ago, or we had this podcast, and we were or rather a week ago, we were talking about how Oregon State beat Stanford 35-14 in interim Trent Brady defensive coordinator's first game. But then the argument was made, well, Stanford maybe doesn't have a whole lot on offense. Maybe they're not world beaters on offense and, you know, just letting everybody in they're not this year. So, you know, it needed to be the proof needed to be in the pudding, so to speak. Jared, how much does it say that this defense allowed just 10 points? And I just want to go a step further and say, if it hadn't been for the special teams blunder where Luke Losher couldn't handle the punt and set up Arizona State, I think it like four, it very easily could have been less than this. I mean, this has got to be a dream type scenario, Jared, just allowing 24 points in the last two games for Trent Bray after allowing 34 to Colorado and 39, to, or excuse me, 37 to Colorado and 39 to Cal.
1: Yeah. I think, I think they'd scored over 30 in like over half their games getting into that one. Um, I mean, it, it was, it, it means, it means the world. And, you know, we talked about it in our mailbag this last week, just a lot of people were asking, has he earned that defensive coordinator title? Like, has he done enough to take the interim part off of it? And I I, I just don't see, I, I think there's definitely more of an argument for that being the case than, than them bringing somebody else in at this point. I mean, the guys know him really well. Um, Clearly they're trusting the schemes that he's drawn up for them these last two weeks. And uh, I mean, the results speak for themselves, like you mentioned. So uh, numbers don't lie. And right now you've got to absolutely love the numbers. I mean, 24 points total in two games, whereas the game before that, they allowed 37, uh, 39, 34, 31. uh, And then Washington was 24. So I mean, just a huge, huge difference that we've seen in just two weeks. So you have to love it. And it's coming at a perfect time because it's been rough on the road, man. It has been rough on the road. So hopefully Indeed. they'll keep that going.
0: Indeed. Great points all around. And you know, the the one that I found was, was was interesting, Jared, is just as you mentioned, just kind of the change and kind of how quickly it was able to kind of flip. And I think that's kind of this defense taking on the persona and the personality of Trent Bray and You know, Jared, it's interesting. Without saying it, you know, and the Beaver's Edge subscribers know this well that watch, you know, our weekly videos with the offense, defense, and Jonathan Smith. If you watch, Jared, very – whether it be post-game press conferences the last couple weeks or defensive availabilities the last couple weeks, there's just kind of been a little extra flair from the defense or they've been like, you know – things have changed or it's almost, you know, they're not going to come out and say it for obvious reasons, but you can tell a shift in mindset and thinking was exactly what this group needed. Because as we talked about, we thought the talent was there and the talent was not performing at a level that, you know, we thought it could be. And I think now it's come a little bit more, a little bit more around. And I think more than anything, that's what Trent Bray's done is kind of empower the guys. And, and that's why, as Jared mentioned, We had some mailbag questions this week talking about, you know, is an outside hire, you know, on the table still? Is Trent Bray the guy in the clubhouse? Could there be other staff changes coming? And and truth be told, depending on how this game goes with Oregon and the ensuing game or games after, I think it's kind of on a week-to-week basis, Jared. But the longer it goes, I'm thinking more and more likely that it's more likely to be just Trent Bray elevated – keeping the staff relatively consistent because I just don't see at this point, Jonathan Smith kind of bringing in a new defensive coordinator and like overhauling this, the defensive staff, if that makes sense, because you've got Trent Bray, who I think is a solid coach, you know, you've got blue Adams and a few others. So like for those that may be wondering if additional changes are coming, I I, I don't see it at this point.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, uh, why would
0: you, I guess would be my question.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... that's I mean, you've made
0: my, the one change that you think you... I, I think you made kind of the one statement change. Sorry to cut you off there.
1: No, no, you're fine. I mean, I, I I, just definitely agree with what you're saying. I I don't know what else you need to do. I mean, I I just... What, what better results could you ask for, man? I mean, 10 points and then 14 points. It's just not going to get better than that. It's just not. I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens this week. Um, but it's it's been really really good so far and again the guys know him already the the recruits who are coming in have a good relationship with him already and a lot of them have been really impressed with what he's done um just the same we are in such a such a short amount of time so it's uh it's hard to say I mean you know we don't get paid to make those decisions but I think we're in agreement as to what we do if, if we were
0: yeah, no question. And, and, and it's one of those things that, you know, I, I think it was ongoing. And I think it was one of those things where Jonathan Smith, after that Colorado game, felt like his team needed to change. It was simple as that. I don't think it was at that point where he's like going on a grease board, Jaren, saying, OK, Trent Bray's only my interim right now. I have to start contacting XYZ. I think it was just I have confidence in this guy. I'm not going to worry about, you know, outside noise. It's going to focus on us, and I think that's why Oregon State's been able to kind of find that success defensively these last couple weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like you said, to see it happen as fast as it has has been that's true. The most impressive things for me, and I just, you know, uh, two two games still isn't a huge sample size, but what more could you ask from somebody? I mean, if they were to hire somebody and they had these results in two games, I think everybody would be really pleased. So, I mean, that's, that's very kind true of right now. Um, I don't see the need to make any drastic changes. I mean, it's cool to bring in new guys, which obviously they'll need to bring in somebody. Even if, even if they do uh, elevate him to to that permanent DC role, they're going to need someone for the linebackers. So yeah, we'll yeah, see. that's what happens there.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, and I, and I'm glad you brought that up, Jared, because uh, you know Kipassar obviously handled the uh, the outside linebackers as well, so it could be some some interest there. You know, if, if he's elevated, that would be. "Quote unquote, maybe the one position they would look to fill, or perhaps, you know, there's there's an up and comer on the own staff, you know, that um, you know they feel could be promoted within as well. So, I think it speaks more to how Jonathan Smith believes in his culture of coaches. So, well, you know, I, I or go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I mean, and that's the biggest thing. Exactly what you're saying is the biggest thing. There's there's been no reason to doubt anything that that Coach Smith has done yet. Um, I mean, As soon as things got pretty, pretty grim, he made changes. And so far, the change has been a great one. So, I mean, there's just no reason if if that's the decision that he decides to make, you just have to hope that everybody, you know, is on board and, and understanding of
0: that. Without question, and again, that'll be one of the things to definitely keep an eye on over the next uh, couple weeks, uh, as I mentioned, uh, towards the end of the, uh, the quote-unquote season whenever Oregon State plays their bowl game because that'll be in likelihood when the Beavers and Jonathan Smith make their decision if, you know, Smith hasn't already kind of made his decision maybe in his head. So as Jared said, a couple of really solid performances. And once again, Oregon State last Saturday night defeated Arizona State 24-10. to 10. Jared, I, I can't attest. It was quite cold that evening. It was quite cold. Shout out to all the Beaver fans that were outside. Even the press box was pretty cold. So all the Beaver fans that were out there, uh, I know in my post-game video, my breath was definitely being seen. It was it was definitely a little cold. I'm sure that uh, that helped out the Beavers we kind of talked about in the previous podcast. Yeah. So moving along now in the podcast, we've got uh, a couple big things to talk about before uh, Oregon State's, uh, before we get into the uh, obviously the rivalry matchup and talking about the implications at stake. It's been a super busy week at beaversedge.com. Go ahead and check out that recruiting tab uh, over at beaversedge.com. Jared, you've been a busy man this week. Before we dive into to everything, obviously, you know, you caught up with a big-time visitor this last weekend, uh, Rivals 250-2023 QB. Um, obviously, you keep tabs on what the uh, commits are doing uh, in the playoffs right now. But first, let's start with Oregon State's uh, two commitments they got this week. Two kind of very different guys on very different timelines, one that's probably more ready to contribute right away and one that uh, is definitely more of a, a guy they're bringing into the program for the long haul. Uh, give us the rundown on uh, each of the guys, Jared. How much do you like this, uh, this pair this week?
1: Yeah, I think it was a, a really great addition. Braylon Oliver was, uh, was the first one on, uh, on Monday night. He's, uh, he's a Louisville transfer, three-star guy out of North Carolina. Uh, just in last year's 2021 class. So as Brendan, met, Brendan mentioned, there's still a lot of time for him to develop and uh, you know turn into a really good player for Oregon State. Highly recruited guy out of high school. Um, really good size. A lot of upside for him. Just raw right now. Um, so I think that it's a really, really, really strong addition. Um, and then, as you mentioned, they added another guy who may be a little bit more game ready from a school that they, they recruit pretty hard over uh, in San Mateo. They've got uh, Alton Julian from there before, and then now Ryan Cooper being the next one uh, that popped last night. Another really strong addition. Obviously, Coach Blue's history and, and record with the Juco guys kind of speaks for itself. So a really, really good addition, uh, again, for, for Coach Blue and that defensive staff. Yeah, is definitely a, a great start to the week and uh, good good two pickups for sure.
0: Did you see defensive back as the biggest position of need? You know, we've been we've been talking about this for a, a couple of weeks now, and, and obviously, you know, uh, uh, you know the guys come in different years and whatnot. But were you kind of surprised? Like, you know, we were talking maybe maybe a receiver, maybe defensive lineman. Were you surprised it took a couple of DBs?
1: Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, they had a they had Carlos Mack in in the class already, um, so he's obviously a a pretty, pretty strong addition. So, I mean, usually they take what two or three. So, I mean, not, not too, too surprising. I mean, I think it was a good mix and I'm not sure what the plan will be now. I know there was some still some targets kind of on the table at that position, but I think they got, again, I think they got two really good guys. um, And again, two guys that will contribute at different times. So I'm excited to, to see, you know, who, who they were able to get in the fold and, I, I do. I do still think there's other positions of need, um, and I'm sure those will be addressed within this next month, or you know, in the in the January month prior to the to the late signing period. So they've uh, they've always done a good job of of adding some some really strong pieces in that late period. So I'm excited to see what they do after after December 16th.
0: Without question, and and, and I'm curious, uh, Jared. With um, do you think the decision to take two DBs is based on the fact that it was reported a couple weeks ago? that Rayjean writes 50 50 on whether or not he's going to come back next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it really, it could have a lot to do with that. I mean, obviously uh, his older brother's doing some really great things in the NFL right now. And I'm sure that if there's a path for, for Ray, Rayjean to do the exact same thing, I'm sure that he'd love to to take advantage of that. So it's really, really interesting to, to see, you know, where that's going to go, but regardless two strong additions and, uh, I think I think that they they made the right call whether he stays or goes.
0: Yeah, without question. Like I said, just it's interesting to kind of see the Beavers continue to add depth, obviously in the back end. And you know, Alton Julian, as you mentioned, uh, lost for the season earlier this year with a knee injury. Uh, he'll definitely be hoping to get back from that mix next year. But uh, a uh, a growing group, obviously uh, within the um, uh, the secondary core. Now, uh, a couple new pieces joining the mix. So couple names definitely to keep an eye on in Ryan Cooper and Braylon Oliver and uh, transitioning over to the game at hand this weekend, Jared, the uh, quote unquote unnamed rivalry game. And I know we're going to get some, some eye rolls from some diehard edgers that, uh, you know, refer to it as the old name, but as far as uh, us media concerned, it's the rivalry with no name right now, Jared, Oregon, Oregon state set to kick, uh, kick off at 1230 ESPN from Autzen stadium on Saturday. Arguably, Jared, the biggest "quote unquote" Oregon-Oregon State game of consequence for both teams, I would say since 2012, potentially. Um, you know, I think there's a case for a couple of different years, but just with both teams coming in with you know decent records and you know uh, essentially a lot to play for it's shaping up to be a dandy of a contest. And we'll get into, obviously, some of uh, what's at stake here, but I'm curious what uh, your initial thoughts are uh, on the game.
1: Well, I mean, definitely to your point, when 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 do you think, just to kind of return a question on you, when do you think the last time was that Oregon State was still in competition uh, to win the Pac-12 North going into to week 13, 14?
0: Uh, when it was not the Pac-12 North, uh, <laughs> 2009, when it was the quote-unquote war for the Roses, and the winner of the Oregon-Oregon State game got to go to the Rose Bowl. Unfortunately, as Beaver fans will remember, that was a narrow 37-33 defeat at the hands of the Oregon Ducks, and Oregon obviously went on to the Rose Bowl that year, and Oregon State went on to the uh, the Vegas Bowl, and the rest is history, as they would so say from there, but I'm trying to think. Like 2012, both teams were ranked. Uh, that was one of the more attended games, I believe, in in uh, in the rivalry history. Um, 2013 uh, in Eugene, another pretty good game. Um, but again, Oregon State, I believe, with just six wins going into that game. So, and then from 2014 on, you know, Oregon State won the won the contest last year. You know, they won in 16, but those games, you know, didn't. Didn't mean a whole lot as far you know, particularly sixteen with four wins that didn't go to a whole lot. And last year it was you know a big win. I don't mean to discount that, but it wasn't like with a lot on the line, so to speak. If you know what I mean, Jared.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a great win last year, but for the program,
0: that's what I mean to say. Yes,
1: one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But like you like you said, there's just more at stake this year. And for those who don't know um, what I'm talking about with the whole pac Twelve North thing, there is still a path for for the Beavers to Represent the Pac-12 North in the championship game. All that needs to happen is obviously Oregon State's going to need uh, to top Oregon, and then we need a we need a Washington win over Washington State as well. So honestly, it's not that unlikely of a path. I mean, so depending on what what website you're looking at, there's some some websites and uh, obviously Vegas thinks that Washington State will win. But I think ESPN is, is currently giving Washington the, the higher odds. And I think uh, I, I think Oregon's favored against the Beavers. But, you know, Oregon's favored. Yeah, as
0: of as of right now, the Ducks are a seven-point favorite. I believe it opened, Jared, double digits around like 11 or 12, I want to say. Don't quote me on it. It's come down. It's it's come down.
1: Which is insane. Insane. I'm sorry. I mean, that that is just stupid. This team – we're talking about a team – that lost thirty-eight to seven to a team that Oregon State beat.
0: I know, I know, and and again, Jared, like, I, 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 you know, Beaver fans. First things first. Beyond just enjoying your your awesome Thanksgiving and you know getting to uh, hopefully spend some time with some loved ones, maybe maybe some loved ones that you didn't get to see last year. First things first, Jared. Go dogs, not coops. Go dogs. Like like that 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 that's where it starts. That's where it starts. It starts in right. Seattle. And, you know, we, we caught up with some of the Beavers today, and we're talking to uh, Simon Samberg and uh, Katano Adopo just kind of saying, hey, are you guys going to watch the game, you know, Friday? And, you know, they're like, you know, we're going to watch it because we always like to watch football. But you could tell, Jared, they're really focused on themselves, and they're kind of not letting wise, – wisely. They're not letting what happens Friday night dictate – how they're going to go into the game Saturday. And I think that's how you have to go into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Just to get back to, to kind of what you're talking about first, Are you surprised there's not a name yet? I'm kind of surprised by that.
0: You know, uh, from, you know, a, I just think there've been bigger, bigger fish to fry to be, to be honest, Jared. I mean, you think about like, you know, just, just from your perspective, um, some things that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at this. You know, Oregon is still, quote unquote, trying to get back to exactly what it was like pre-pandemic. I only mean that to say that as of, you know, recording this podcast, the outdoor mask exemption was just lifted. So I, I just think in a lot of ways, there was a lot of like between the two schools specifically, they had a lot on their plate. They had things, you know, between leadership, Uh, Oregon State, obviously just with an interim president, I think right now, and, you know, getting getting on the field and going through protocol and all those things and, you know, getting students back on campus this year and all that stuff and welcoming back fans. And honestly, I just think it kind of took a back burner. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good or bad thing, Jared, but you could tell it just wasn't a big priority from Oregon, or Oregon State side, just the rivalry series.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting question. It's not, it's not important. Um, it, it's really not, but I, I'm just kind of curious. I, I'm going to be excited when they do name it because it's kind of weird calling it the the game with no name or what, <laughs> the civil war or, or whatever you want to call it. But regardless. Yeah. It would be a, it would be really, really awesome to see Oregon state find a way to win the game. Um, I mean, I,
0: I must, I must say though, Jared, the um, like, if there's one thing that I say right now, um, I am not a fan of the platypus bowl. Not no. one bit. No. I, I don't. I, I don't like that. I, I've seen people throw out, you know, because apparently there's a platypus trophy uh, that is, you know, it. You know, I, I guess passed between Oregon a, and Oregon State.
1: That ain't happening.
0: But again, I'm not a fan of the platypus trophy, bowl game, whatever. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, personally, I'd like to see, I'd like to see, you know, either a cool catchy name, maybe a sponsored name. I don't know, just, just something, you know, and I, and I figure after, after, you know, this next year, I think maybe it'll be, you know, I think enough, like you go back to last year, Obviously, no fans at all were at the game in Research Stadium this year. I think you're maybe going to get kind of the fan chatter back and kind of maybe drive some of the conversation and, you know, quote unquote, maybe put some ideas out to those administrators and so on and so forth. And, you know, maybe have it be a more front burner issue uh, in years to come. But yeah, for sure. Definitely a, a good question. And, you know, you said it best, Jared. Only two things need to happen Washington State needs to lose, which Again, with how well the Cougars have been playing and how, respectfully, Jared, I think the dogs have kind of checked out on the year. Yeah, That's easier said than done for that to happen in Seattle on Friday night, but you never know. And then, obviously, all bets are off between Oregon and Oregon State. And as you mentioned, Jared, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the final score again because I was pulling into Reese Stadium as you were texting me and my app where I was getting scores wasn't loading, and you just text me. I can't remember exactly what it was, but something related to Utah, and that was when I saw the halftime score, and I was like, whoa. I, I-, I looked at you know my, uh, uh, my buddy Keenan Pankocher, who works for Beaver's Edge uh, on game days as well, and I was like, Oregon's not built to come from behind. This is done. And obviously <laughs> – it ended up being a 38-7 to uh, finish there for the youths in Salt Lake City as the Ducks were steamrolled, didn't get off the plane, whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah. They weren't ready for last week, Jared. They fall flat. Uh, the conference way loses playoff hopes. No Beaver fans are upset about that, obviously, but got to throw it out there that, you know, another year the Pac-12 will not be representing in the playoff. And now the question has to be asked. It's been really weird, Jared, like Oregon's like the vibe around this game. Oregon State's really excited for this game. It seems to me like a lot of the kind of buzz around Oregon is, oh, man, we don't make the playoff. What do we have to play for now? And if that's anywhere close to Oregon's mindset, Oregon State's got an advantage in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to hope that they come out flat the same way that they did. Yes against uh against them but regardless I mean it it should be more about how you execute and less about how they play because I think Oregon State at their best is capable of being Oregon even if they do play better than they played last Saturday for sure um so I, I that that's what's most important and I'm sure that's been the message uh in the locker room throughout this week just don't worry about don't worry about what you saw from them last week um because they are still a good football team but it's Let's play our game. Let's not let's not go in there hoping that that they're not on their a game that day. That way we have a chance. Let's make sure we have a chance regardless. And uh, I, I I think they do have a good chance, man. I mean, I really do. I'm not gonna make any kind of predictions, and I'm still not sure where I stand on that yet. But I, I think it's gonna be uh, certainly more evenly matched than a than a double digit line. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, again, like I said, that opening line uh, started double digits, creeped all the way down to uh, to seven now. I think it's you know for for the, for Oregon being the home team, I, I can I can understand where seven is, especially with where they are. But Jared, I want to ask you, how much can you put into common opponent stock? Jonathan Smith talked a little bit about it today, and I as we we're recording this on a Wednesday, I say today, um, talked a little bit about it. You know, when he spoke to the media this week, and kind of said there are some advantages to kind of being able to pick apart film after a team has kind of done that to a team. But how much do you think, A, Oregon State playing Utah and beating Utah factors into this, and then uh, B, with Oregon State and Utah kind of boasting similar styles as far as having tight ends, a powerful running game? Is there? A, did Utah provide the blueprint last week?
1: Yeah, I mean they—they they, they did more than provide the blueprint, man. I mean they sent those boys packing. Uh, was, I mean maybe maybe the blueprint, like you said, was just come out hot and you know get them down early because it, it just never got better, man. It, it it was just it was ugly, and I I, I had the pleasure of watching it. And
0: uh, <laughs> nice it word just, choice there, Jared. I like that. I like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, I definitely thought about that one, but it was it was it was just. It's just crazy. I mean, it's crazy that you you have a team who is one week in playoff contention and the next week getting beat 38-7 to seven, uh, by a team, again, like you were talking about, that, that Oregon State has already beaten. So it's hard to say, you know, how much stock you can put in to, to common opponents. Um, but if you could, then it's probably pretty evenly matched because – I think uh, I think Oregon State's gotten the better of some teams that have has given Oregon some trouble, and, and Oregon's done the same uh, right. for, for some teams that has, has given Oregon State some trouble. So it's hard to say. I mean, if you look at if you look at Oregon's two losses, uh, Stanford and Utah, those are obviously two wins for Oregon State. Um, but among Oregon State's losses, you've got Washington State. Um, who obviously Oregon beat and same with, with Colorado and Cal. So it, it, it seems pretty evenly matched if you go that direction, as far as the common opponents go. So it, it's kind of hard to say, man. I mean, I I'm in yeah. the line that it's just an evenly matched game. I really am.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think, I think you're onto something there and, you know, I didn't want to say it and look like a fool if they had ended up, you know, running the table, but you could argue that, Oregon probably had no business being a playoff contender when, you know, we knew what we knew about Stanford as the year went on. And then you look at, you know, some, that was the thing is outside of, and you know, like I said, I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm diving into the ducks, but it's the only time of the year, I guess, when it's appropriate to do so, Jared, but outside of their win against Ohio state, where that was a statement win, you know, granted only a seven point win, but a statement win week two on the road, all year, I've been saying Oregon just didn't have that marquee victory. You know, it was a closer than expected game against Arizona when Arizona was still searching. Uh, they beat Cal by a touchdown, beat UCLA by three, beat Colorado, who, you know, again, for who Oregon was a quote unquote playoff contender, allowing 29 points. Okay. You know, a real close game with what we now know is not a great Washington team. If and then, it, you know, it, it, sorry. I mean-
1: yeah, I said you're forgetting one. I think you were about to to get to it. It was an early season win. So I mean you you do have to kind of put some so, some some thought into that. But I'll tell you what, down here in Georgia, Ohio State is my last hope. So I, I I am hoping for my sake that Ohio State is actually a really good team who just played bad that week against Oregon.
0: I think that's possible they could because I go back the week before Jared to win. Oregon, and again, I don't like to play the what if game and just sit here and, you know, say, well, Oregon should have lost every game, but, you know, Oregon could have lost to Fresno State in week one, you I know?
1: Thought- uh, <laughs> sorry? You said, I thought they were going to. I remember watching. Yeah. I was like, wait a second.
0: Right, and, and that's where I said, you know, Oregon's a good, I've said all year, I think Oregon's a good team. They're not a great team. And I think that finally played out, you know, this last weekend, but on the flip side, Jared, I don't think you can take Oregon lightly at all, because again, as I've mentioned in you know previous editions of this podcast, for better or for worse, Jared, you could argue there's not a better recruiting factory in this conference right now, and there's talent at every position, regardless of whether or not they may be injured, have it onto their third or fourth string. And Trent Bray even said it today; he's like, just it's talent up and down. That's what Oregon and Mario Cristobal have built. And obviously, you know, Oregon State overcame that last year. But that's still something where you have to be so, uh, you know, staunch in your preparation and your plan. And, you know, that's how, you know, you can outplay and outperform better talent. And that's what Oregon State's going to have to do because you know Oregon's going to come out wanting to respond. That was embarrassing for them.
1: They are. And, and there's also probably – some fire in some of these guys from from last year's game against Oregon State um, so there's definitely you know a lot of reason for, for those guys to to come out and you know really really want this and to prove who they are but then there's also the counter argument that after their playoff hopes just disappeared that you know they could be feeling feeling pretty uh, pretty hung over this week so Again, you you want to make you want to put the game in your hands and not worry about how they're going to play. But as you mentioned, it's a it's a really talented squad. Uh, so you know you gotta you gotta just hope that whatever happens, Oregon stays ready to play their best football. By far, their best football that they have played on the road this year, barring maybe I don't know second half against uh, Purdue or maybe at USC. Um, yeah, they they definitely need to to play some good road football. Because I think if this game is in Corvallis, uh, I might know who I'd pick. But yeah, being on the road, man, it's just it's tough, man. They've they've really they've really looked like a different team as of late on the road.
0: And that's where I'm hoping that you know, with any luck, you know, Oregon State's road woes, and you know, you go back to just the trends that didn't start well against Washington State and it carried over into Cal and Colorado. But you go back, I still think the USC performance is in there somewhere, and. You know, it, it's going to be interesting because it's not a typical road game, you know, just a bus ride down. The players talked about it, staying in the same hotel as they do for home games. So that, that part of it's going to be interesting that it's kind of a bit like a, a home game, but just with a crowd that's, you know, not rooting for you, uh, obviously, so to speak. Right. But yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's going to be interesting because, Jared, if I had told you even just two weeks ago, but let's even go back to the beginning of the season that Oregon State would have a shot to win the Pac-12 North and be in the Pac-12 title game with a win over Oregon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of what we were hoping for the whole year. You know, we kind of talked about it at the beginning uh, of the year, just talking about how there really wasn't a game that you looked at on the schedule and thought, it's just not winnable. Um, Right. So it it is surprising, I think, just because of – the fact that it hasn't happened in a while. Uh, so, you know, now that it's finally come to fruition a little bit, uh, you're you're kind of like, whoa, this is really happening. But, you know, it it should have happened. It, it should have. It's, it's a really good football team at Oregon State this year, and they deserve it.
0: Without question. And, again, Oregon State's regular season finale, if you can believe it, Jared, where did the first 11 weeks, 12 weeks go? I mean, I feel like you and I were just breaking down, you know, preseason or even the loss to Purdue, and here we are regular seasons over my friend it, wow. it's here
1: yeah it flew by it absolutely flew by I mean it's, hey,
0: and, it and and how great I I know like how great though I gotta get a little round of applause to 12 game schedule being back here none of this six seven four game nonsense we're back to 12
1: yeah thank God for that and and I mean it, it's been nuts it's been absolutely insane uh, it's been a fun season and, and you know I, I really have not thought about it until now you're talking about it and yeah Kind of sad, man. Kind of sad. After this Saturday, it's, it's going to be over.
0: <laughs> the other thing I want to touch on uh, before we wrap up the podcast again, Oregon State facing Oregon. Autzen Stadium, 1230. Uh, make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com as we'll have loads of content, a Thanksgiving meal, a stuffed uh, plate of content between now uh, and Saturday. Get you ready for that game. Jared will have uh, starters as recruits, and we'll also have staff predictions, the injury report. Um, in addition to uh, this podcast and uh, a couple other things as well. We'll also be giving uh, some key reasons why Oregon State can beat Oregon in this game. But Jared, I want to go ahead and touch on something that is quite exciting just for uh, everyone uh, that supports uh, Oregon State, just to kind of touch on that's the latest round of bowl projections uh, published today at Um, beaversedge.com. Some, some familiar locations, Jared, but, I tell you what, there are a lot of Beaver fans that are just gleaming from ear to ear to continue to see the words "Oregon State" firmly in bold with bowl projections now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we did touch on it last week, and like you said, a lot, kind of a lot of the same. Um, but it's it, it, it's really nice to see, man. And you know, a win this week would would do numbers for these. Projections. <laughs> it really would. I mean, I think we'd we'd see we'd probably see the Sun Bowl disappear, honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but Otherwise, we've got some really good stuff on here, um, some really strong opponents. And, again, a lot of the same as last week. I don't, for whoever was listening last week, Sun Bowl is on here a few times against North Carolina and Miami. Uh, Las Vegas Bowl, which is obviously a fun one for for everybody who's involved against Purdue. So a rematch there. Uh, L.A. Bowl against a few different opponents, most likely being San Diego State, who's a, who's a really good squad this year. so
0: Very, very.
1: There, I I do think I'd love to see them play North Carolina.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that last week. Yeah, Mac really- Brown and company. Yeah.
1: Oh, so, yeah, I think that'd be a great matchup, and I, honestly, it, it feels like a pretty winnable game for Oregon State, in my opinion.
0: You know, it's funny because selfishly, Jared, you know, I, I can I can I can do full disclosure. I you know the the Sun Bowl is is necessarily not my first choice as far as okay. like hey you know I want to I want to go to that bowl game, but. Beaver fans will know, and Jared, you can go back and do a little bit of research. Oregon State has gone to the Sun Bowl more than a time or two, and it almost kind of would be kind of Oregon Statey to after not going to a bowl game since 2013 to come back and return to the Sun Bowl. But, but like you said, take care of business this weekend, and you can knock out, you know, potentially the Sun Bowl, LA Bowl, some of those more, you know, maybe in the Vegas Bowl. I mean, who knows what your options could be um, if you win this weekend, Jared, because theoretically, and this is just worth arguing, even if Washington State wins and Washington State takes the North with and Oregon State wins, Oregon State, by the letter of the law, Jared, should go to a better bowl than Oregon.
1: 100%. And, and you know, you'd have to –
0: So, you know, like, I mean, like that's in play. Like the fact that the Beavers could send the Ducks to like the Sun Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, Jared, after having playoff hopes, that would be, uh, that'd be quite the uh, holiday present.
1: It would be, man. Uh, and you know, you talk about selfishly not wanting it to be the Sun Bowl. I <laughs> I hope they make it to like the Belk Bowl or uh, I mean, something, something, something down here, something yeah. you to your boy, because I would love to, to make it out there. Oh, sure. yeah.
0: No. And and we're going to be pulling on some strings to get you out, Jared. I can't wait to see, um, you know, just where it all ends up, because I know we're going to have a strong contingent of Bieber fans specifically uh, beaver's edgers that are going to be going out there you know i'll be going wherever it is and it's going to be an awesome time and jared you could you could argue party like it's 2013 i mean you, we, we might need to get you know some some early 2010s tunes to kind of set the mood for what it was like when when oregon state went back to the postseason but that's that's what's in the rear view or you know kind of on the periphery i should say uh is the bowl game but as we mentioned a lot coming up uh, up ahead this week potentially next couple weeks as Oregon state is still in contention for the PAC 12 North PAC 12 title game, obviously next week. And with a little help, Oregon state could defeat Oregon and then claim the PAC 12 title. So again, make sure and keep it locked to beaversedge.com. Jared and I are going to have wall to wall coverage uh, throughout the rest of the week, leading up to the 1230 kickoff. And then again, make sure to uh, keep it locked with us as we will have live updates uh, pre post. And uh, during the, uh, the game uh, down there at Austin stadium. So, it's Going to be a good one, Jared. And I, you know, I, I've been looking forward to this game all week. It's going to be fun to uh, have some good food, kind of get ready for it in the meantime, and then uh, kind of gear, dial back into football.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I'm excited. Definitely going to pick out myself uh, tomorrow and Friday and the whole weekend, really, and enjoy, enjoy this last week of regular season football as much as I can. And uh, I'm excited, I'm really excited to see. Everything again, obviously, Christmas season being here, although my tree's been up. As we're about. <laughs> yeah. So it's great. I am curious.
0: I am curious here just to kind of close this on a bit of a lighter note. Where do you stand on turkey? It's been quite the debate I've noticed on social media with people starting to buck some trends, traditions yeah. going away. Some people being like, Yeah, no, I don't like turkey. Why do I have it? I'm going with, you know, chicken. I have coworkers that are doing different things this year and whatnot. And, you know, shaking things up. Where do you stand on Turkey, Jared? Personally, it's not my favorite, I'm not a big fan.
1: Yeah. So I gonna tell you what, it all depends on how and who cooks it. Because fair. Fair. Because I've had some Turkey that made me never want to buy Turkey ever again. And uh-huh. this, we actually already had a Thanksgiving gathering last weekend. Uh, with Hannah, my girlfriend's family. And it was the best turkey I've ever had in my life, ever. And it changed my, t- like.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, okay.
1: Tomorrow, as we go to, to my family's house, I'll give that turkey a try simply because high- <laughs> if it tastes anything like the one I had last weekend, I'll be a happy camper, man. But to be to be fair, I mean, just to answer your question, prior to that turkey, I would have told you that I'm a definitely a full-fledged ham guy.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, no, we're, I said, of the two, because it was always turkey and ham kind of growing up with Thanksgiving, too. I preferred ham to turkey, but now that I'm kind of on my own doing my own thing, we're going with Cornish game hens and a bunch of other uh, side, sides at our house, so we're kind of going on the chicken brigade uh, over here, and, you know, I it's been kind of interesting to see, you know, kind of how people are shaking things up and how some people are married to some side dishes and, you know, don't want others and. You know, it's it's uh the great, uh, you know, uh, Thanksgiving table debate is, uh, is is pretty fun. And uh, I must say, though, Jared, going into that, was it a situation where you're like, okay, I'm going over to hang out with girlfriend's family. I got to just eat the turkey no matter what.
1: No, no, not at all.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I was going to give you some brownie points. All right, all right.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, listen, I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. They there's different <laughs> There's different ways that you can throw plates away to where people will never know what you what you ate and what you didn't. So well done. We've got it all down to a science at this point. Uh, I just wanted to try it. Actually, I'm, I got tipped that it was it was gonna be really good because the the guy who cooked it has made really good turkey before. So I was mm. I was down to try it. Um, had I gone into it blind, not knowing that information, who knows? I mm, talked mm. about it in the mailbag. I, I, I eat a lot now. For whatever reason, something happened in uh in 2021 that I just I can put down some food, man. So I, <laughs> I had a pretty pretty big plate. Um and <laughs> yeah, I, I think I probably would have put turkey on there regardless of whether I knew that or not. Um, but it all for me, and this this is a question I want to return to you as well. I don't I Even if the turkey and the ham and everything else sucked, I don't care as long as I have good mac and cheese.
0: I man, you you opened another another rabbit hole as just down the down the pod. I completely agree with you, Jer, But from what I have heard, just from kind of talking to some guests that we've had on Rip City Radio this week, and you know, just kind of chit chatting with other media members down in Corvallis and whatnot. It seems like mac and cheese is more of a Southern staple than it is maybe up here.
1: Oh man. I'm never. Made yes.
0: I'm yes. yes. I'm very curious. And again, let's, let's have some, some edgers drop some comments uh, in, in the thread because we need to talk about some Thanksgiving uh, side dishes and what, what kind of qualifies as good ones and not. But, but yeah, I, I would totally agree. I, you know, I love some quality Mac and my, uh, my mm-hmm. co-host Justin Myers on Rift City mornings was, uh, saying he he's got some really good mac he's been working on like three or four different kinds of cheese and like a crunchy top I'm like oh and yeah I don't know I, I don't think it's as common up here and that's a little disappointing and
1: I think you should be the 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 minister of that culture's change because you could go down in the history books if if you're leading the charge there I mean mac and cheese is a, a prized possession
0: and oh yeah, yeah. no we've works. at our house oh yeah we've got it on tap we got it on tap. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's interesting because, Jared, you can't have too much food. Like it's it just comes into what saves the best. But I'm, we're gonna close it with this: So everything at the table on Thanksgiving. What's your favorite? Everything on the table.
1: Mac and cheese.
0: All right. Okay. Without a doubt. Without a
1: doubt. If it's cooked right, mac and cheese. Got to give me some sister Schubert rolls or King's Hawaiian rolls to nice. go with. It.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. we got we got the Hawaiian rolls working. I'm gonna say, Jared, I'm a stuffing guy. I love me really? some stuffing, man. That it's stuffing's a food, Jared, that I will make like other times of the year. Like <laughs> with like, you know, rotisserie chicken or anything like that, just because dude, stuffing's my it's my go-to for
1: That's sure. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too big a too big a stuffing guy myself, but mac and cheese is a whole different story. I'll make that whatever. <laughs> The entire year. Mashed potato. Yeah. I said it I said it last weekend I like to just I just carb load man I just I just oh, yeah. as, as yeah. many carbs as I can find throw it on my plate and I'll I'll handle the rest later
0: well I can tell you this Jared from my own selfish sake I'm a little happy that the the rivalry games on Saturday this year because Friday I get to you know just sit and, and write some awesome content for y'all with Jared as we're going to be you know kind of fat and happy after stuffing our face full on Thursday, sometimes Friday you're, you're a little lethargic that next day. I'll
1: be, I'll be, I'll be on the couch. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, that'll go ahead and wrap it up for uh, this edition of the podcast. Big thanks to Jared Hollis for uh, engaging in all the uh, Thanksgiving uh, takes, all the uh, Arizona state talk from last week is Oregon state again, went perfect at home. Pretty awesome achievement uh, for this year's group and, We'll be looking to get win number eight uh, at Autzen Stadium and with a little help, just maybe find themselves at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada next week. So again, for Jared Hollis, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off with this edition of the podcast. Make sure to tune back next week as we'll break down everything that happened. Again, there's going to be a lot to talk about next week uh, leading into whether it's Oregon State's next game or leading into the bowl game. But regardless, Jared and I will be back with the podcast We'll find out how good uh, Jared's mac and cheese was this week, uh-huh. and uh for break it, it break it, it all it, down
1: on the podcast. It, it might be in Joe.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> again, like I said, for Jared, Hallis and Brendan Slaughter, we want to thank everyone for uh, checking out this edition of the podcast. We want everyone to have a happy Thanksgiving, uh, and again, big thanks to uh, all of our uh, Beaver's Edge.com subscribers. Jared and I are very thankful for you guys. Just want to throw that out there as well. And thank for you. those of you who aren't. You can join the beaversedge.com family. Again, you can join free for 30 days. Just head on over to the landing page and you can join the beaversedge.com family. It's good time, good stuff, all the beaver stuff you always need. So, again, signing off on this edition of the podcast. We'll be back next week to break down uh, the Oregon game and look ahead to what's next for Oregon State.